from the Valley of the Sun in Phoenix, Arizona. Welcome to episode 169 of the What is Truth Catholic podcast. My name is Deacon Steve, and I am a permanent deacon in the Diocese of Phoenix. This weekend, we celebrate the baptism of the Lord, as we hear about Jesus asking John the Baptist to baptize him. Now, Jesus did not need to be baptized, as he is God. He is without sin. And yet, in all humility, he asked John to do this. And God is clearly pleased with the humility and love of his Son. We, too, are called to grow in humility and to live our baptisms out in the world so that they are not simply a sacrament that many of us have received at infancy, but the beginning of a life in faith, living the life that Christ calls us to live, to serve him and to serve one another. In episode 169 of the What is Truth Catholic podcast, we first discuss our saint of the week, who is St. Marguerite Bourgeois, who despite disappointment served the First Nations people in Canada. We'll hear a homily for the baptism of the Lord as we hear about Jesus asking John the Baptist to be baptized. In the segment Catholics in the News, we will learn about a saint in a floundering bookstore. In the segment Truth in the Media, we will discover a new book highlighting a period of persecution in the life of the Church. In the segment entitled, I Don't Get It, I will attempt to understand the actions of the government in a Canadian province. Finally, during our Truth Topic of the Week, we will hear the truth from Pope Francis about prayer. All of this, plus music from Coram Deo Church, who sings, Joining in the Joy. This and more on episode 169 of What? is truth. Saint of the Week. God closes a door and then opens a window, people sometimes say when dealing with disappointments or someone else's. That was certainly true in Marguerite's case. Children from European as well as Native American backgrounds in 17th century Canada benefited from her great zeal and unshakable trust in God's providence. Born the sixth of twelve children in France, Marguerite, at the age of 20, believed that she was called to religious life. Her applications to the Carmelites and poor Clares were unsuccessful. A priest friend suggested that perhaps God had other plans for her. In 1654, the governor of the French settlement in Canada invited her to come to Canada and start a school in Villa Marie, which eventually became the city of Montreal. When she arrived, the colony numbered 200 people with a hospital in a Jesuit mission chapel. Soon after starting a school, Marguerite realized her need for co-workers. Returning to France, she recruited a friend, Catherine Trollo, and two other young women. In 1667, they added classes at their school for First Nations children. A second trip to France three years later resulted in six more young women coming to Canada in a letter from King Louis XIV authorizing the school. 
The Congregation of Notre Dame was established in 1676, but its members did not make formal religious profession until 1698, when their rule and constitutions were approved. Marguerite established a school for First Nations girl in Montreal. At the age of 69, she walked from Montreal to Quebec City in response to the bishop's request to establish a community of her sisters in that city. By the time she died, Marguerite was referred to as Mother of the Colony. Her feast day is January 12th. Sister Marguerite Bourgeois, who dedicated herself to serving First Nations people, our Saint of the Week. Homily of the Week. Today's homily is based on the readings for the Baptism of the Lord about Jesus' baptism by John in the Jordan. In a small village in the valley lived a man who was always happy, kind, and well disposed to everyone he met. He always smiled and had kind and encouraging words to say whenever it was necessary. Everyone who met him left feeling better happier, and even elated. People knew they could count on him and regarded him as a great friend. One of the village dwellers was curious to know what his secret was and how he could always be so kind and helpful. He wondered how this man held no grudge against anyone and always seemed happy. The the villager went to the man and asked him, What is your secret? The man smiled at him and said, When you make peace with yourself and live to love and please God, you can be in peace with the rest of the world. The man went on to say, If you can recognize the Spirit in yourself, you can recognize the Spirit in everyone. And then you find it natural to be kind and well disposed to all. I will try to remember your words, said the villager. Thank you very much for your advice and explanations, said the villager as he went away happy and satisfied. Today we celebrate the end of the Christmas season, the baptism of the Lord. And we hear in our first reading from the book of the prophet Isaiah about the Messiah who is to come. Isaiah says, His servant, the one whom he is well pleased, that God is pleased with him, and that he put his spirit within him. We then hear about the baptism of Jesus by John in the Jordan. And after the baptism that Jesus asked for, not because of his own sinfulness, but because of his love and obedience to the Father, the Holy Spirit comes down and says, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. So I think our readings for this Feast of the Baptism of the Lord are calling us to think about this question. Do we think that God is pleased with us? Now that's a question that we often don't think about. Is God pleased with us? Often we don't think this because we're so focused on whether we're sort of pleased with ourselves. We're busy getting done what needs to get done, whether it's work or pleasure or anything, really. And because our focus 
is on the day-to-day rhythms of our life, we often look at, are we satisfied with ourselves? Are we pleased with us? As opposed to, is God pleased with us? Other times we don't think about pleasing God because we're more interested in whether others are pleased with us. Many of us find people giving us their validation and kind of, you know, recognizing us, that that becomes very important to many of us, as we may spend many days, months, or even years trying to please others in part so that they will like us and be with us. But when we focus our attention on pleasing others, we're not thinking at all about pleasing God. Sometimes, and this is a tough one to admit, we don't think about pleasing God because we assume God loves us, so why do we need to bother about pleasing him anyway? He already loves us, so it really doesn't matter. And finally, we don't please God sometimes because we don't care to. It's hard to say, it's hard to live, but it does happen with human beings. We just simply don't care. However, as children of God, we are called to please God, to please the Lord, our Creator, our God. It starts, of course, with, because the question, of course, is how, it starts with A, wanting to. If we don't want to please the Lord, why would we even try or focus our attention on it? So the first question is, do we want to please God? And if we do, good start. Then we need to ask ourselves, well, why do we want to please God? Are we pleasing him because we're afraid of going to hell? Hmm, Okay, not really the best of reasons, but it's a reason. Or are we pleasing God for even a better reason? Because we love him with all our heart and with all our soul and with all our strength. And when we please God for that reason, especially, we are more disposed to doing his will in the world. And part of God being pleased with us is, are we doing God's will? If we are, of course he is pleased with us, as he was pleased with his beloved son for doing his will through his baptism in the Jordan. And finally, to please the Lord means following him, following where he leads us, his commandments, to love him and to love one another. When we do these things, we are living a life that is leading us, God willing, to holiness. And since God's ultimate goal for us is to spend all eternity with him in heaven, when we do these things, he will indeed be well pleased. So this Sunday, this end of the Christmas season of the baptism of the Lord, is a time to ask ourselves, my brothers and sisters, are we pleasing to God in the way that we're living our lives? The good news is if there are some things we can do better, by God's grace, It is not too late. So let us call to mind and think about each day, are we living in a way that is pleasing to God? And if we are, let's keep doing it. And if we're not, let's ask the grace to have our God help us to die to self, to do his will, and to follow his commandments. And God willing, when it is our time 
to meet the Lord, he will say to each of us, Welcome, my child, with whom I am well pleased. And now let us listen to Coram Deo Church, who sing, Joining in the Joy. Catholics in the news. When your business runs out of money and you need a miracle, whom do you call? The Catholic Church, apparently. Warwick Jordan, who's a New Zealander, owns a secondhand bookstore entitled Hard to Find Bookshop. Jordan is not a Catholic, but this past summer found himself strapped for cash. The building he owned was bought by new owners who expected a much higher rent, which he could not afford. 
He tried everything he could to raise the funds, including a web page. He raised $27,000, but that was not enough. So who did he go to? He decided to ask for a miracle. Jordan related that he bought many books off of Catholic priests over the years, so he decided to write to the Catholic Bishop of Aqua, New Zealand, Bishop Pat Dunn, and asked if the church could help him because he needed a miracle, otherwise he was going out of business. And weeks went by, and the gentleman in Warwick did not hear anything. But eventually, Jordan did hear from Bishop Dunn, who called him back and offered him a former home of Australia's only saint, St. Mary McKellop, who was a teacher who was dedicated to education. Also known as St. Mary of the Cross, McKellop founded the Congregation of the Sisters of St. Joseph of the Sacred Heart, which was primarily focused on educating the poor children in established Catholic schools in Australia. She focused particularly on the education of poor children. With its high ceilings, plaster domes, huge windows, etc., the building had all the character that Jordan was looking for. It was in poor condition, but it had the rent to match. So after getting a loan to cover the rest of his costs, Jordan reopened his shop. He made appropriate use of the space and even has a bigger theology section, along with extra information about, of all who, St. Mary McKellop. Warwick Jordan, who with the help of St. Mary McKellop and the Bishop of Auckland, was able to save his business. This week's Catholics in the News. Truth in the Media Perhaps no living author could be more qualified than Lady Antonia Fraser to tell the story she tells in the book The King and the Catholics, England, Ireland, and the Fight for Religious Freedom, 1780-1829. Herself a Catholic, her father sat in Britain's House of Lords as the seventh Earl of Longford. Her deceased first husband, Sir Hugh Fraser, was a member of the House of Commons for more than 30 years. By the time of the American Revolution, England's penal laws against Catholicism were close to being a dead letter, with de facto toleration of Catholics generally accepted by Protestant England. Formal repeal of the penal laws was another matter. Even some Catholics worried that such a step would do no more than give official sanction to existing practice at the price of increased anti-Catholic hostility from certain segments of the population. Fear that Irish Catholics might rebel while the government had its hands full due to a colonial insurrection, of course the United States American Revolution, with hatred of Catholicism immediately prompting some of the most dangerous, destructive, and deadly riots in history. And that was in response to that which did no more than decriminalize the Catholic religion, which at one point was outlawed in England, while requiring that its practice be kept private while continuing to exclude its members from any political role. English attitudes were soon to rapidly change after the horrors of the French Revolution drove many Catholics to seek refuge in Britain during the final decade of the 18th century. 
England became like a paradise for those who fled, and the French priests who arrived in England responded with ardent prayers for the king and the royal family at Mass. Many in England provided homes not just for individual Catholics, but for convents, monasteries, and schools in exile. Three more decades were to pass before the British government passed laws in favor of political equality for Catholics and allowing Catholicism to be practiced in public. The King and the Catholics, England, Ireland, and the Fight for Religious Freedom, 1780-1829, by Antonio Fraser, telling us the fight for religious freedom for Catholics in the 18th and 19th centuries in Europe. This week's Truth in the Media. In a class action lawsuit in the Canadian province of Saskatchewan, more than 60 indigenous women alleged that they were coerced into being sterilized. The incidents happened as recently as 2017. A lawyer representing the indigenous women said that as these women were in the process of delivering their babies, they would be approached, harassed, and coerced into signing these consent forms. They would then be told that they could not leave or see their child until they agreed to be sterilized. So let me get this straight. The government in Saskatchewan admits that as of two years ago, they tried to force First Nations women to be sterilized and not allow them to see their babies unless they did so. And the government's response is, oh, we're sorry? Really? This could not have happened in a civilized country. But it did. I don't get it. Truth topic of the week. When praying, remember the words of Jesus when he taught the Our Father. Pope Francis said recently, meeting God as his beloved child and speaking from the heart. Some think that to pray is to use many words. Pope Francis said, I too think of many Christians who believe that praying is talking to God like a parrot, not praying that's done from the heart, from inside. Pope Francis went on to say, God does not need anything. Our God, in prayer, he only asks that we keep open a channel of communication with him to always discover ourselves to be his beloved children and that he loves us so much. When Jesus introduces the Our Father, Pope Francis went on to say, as a way to pray, he at the same time distances himself from two types of people and two other ways of praying. The first way is the mode of the hypocrites, Pope Francis went on to relate, who when he wants to be seen and admired, Praise, noting that this is like people that go to church and then turn around, Pope Francis said, and speak hate, speaking badly about people. This is a scandal, the Holy Father went on to say. Better not to go to church and live like an atheist. Christians, Pope Francis remarked, should strive to give witness, not a counter-witness. He pointed out that Jesus also distances himself from the, quote, Babel, unquote, of pagans 
who think they will be heard because of their many words. Christian prayer, on the other hand, has no credible testimony other than its own conscience, where a continuous dialogue with the Father intertwines intensely. When you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is in secret, is written in Scripture. Pope Francis said that Jesus taught his disciples to turn to God in prayer, as a child turns to his or her father, who already knows what he needs before he asks. Beginning with the Beatitudes, Jesus crowns with happiness a series of people who are often forgotten or ignored. The poor, the meek, the merciful, the humble. This is the revolution of the gospel. The gospel does not leave us quiet, Pope Francis remarked. It pushes us. Pope Francis noted Jesus' words during the Sermon on the Mount shows that he came not to abolish the law, oh no, but to fulfill it and explain that Christ leads his people back to the original meaning of the law that reminds us that we are sons and daughters of the Father who is in heaven. The Pope emphasized that a Christian is not someone who is concerned with being better than anyone else. Christians know that they are sinners, but with the revelation of the Our Father, they also know that they are children of God, beloved of God, calling God Abba, Father. Christians know that they are renewed by Christ's power to reflect a ray of His goodness, For this world is so thirsty for good in needing the good news. Pope Francis, giving us the truth of truly how to pray. A truth topic of the week. Well, we've come to the end of episode 169 of the What is Truth Catholic podcast. If you have any feedback about the podcast you wish to share, I actually never get any, so if you want to send me an email, that'd be great. You can email me at deaconstevew, all lowercase, at gmail, G-M-A-I-L, dot com. As we continue our journey to God, as we end this Christmas season with the baptism of the Lord, may we realize who we are. We are called to live our own baptisms, as brothers and sisters in the Lord. Let us pray that our Lord will help us to grow in love of Him and of one another. Let us pray. Lord, help us to discern the truth, the truth you call us all to live. Help us to live in this truth so that we can be truly free. And let us ask our Lady's help in this journey. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now, and at the hour of our death. Amen. Until next time, this is Deacon Steve. I invite you to join me as we discover together what is truth.